This is Getting to Know Your Bible, a program dedicated to the proclaiming of the good news of Jesus Christ. Here's Billy Lambert. It is a pleasure to be with you today on Getting to Know Your Bible, and we do appreciate those of you that have tuned in to watch today. We may have those watching for the first time. We may have those watching today that never miss a program of Getting to Know Your Bible. I know that's the case because I have so many of you to write us and tell us about that. Thank you so much. Now, today on our telecast, we're going to be discussing a topic that comes out of the book of Acts. We're going to talk about Simon's rise, fall, and return. I hope you'll stay tuned. Now, today we continue to offer the free Bible course that we've been doing for a long time, and the reason we continue to offer it is people continue to request it. Hundreds of people request it every week. We want you to have this Bible correspondence course in order that you might know more about the course, that you might know how to receive it. Let's pause for just a moment. To help you in your study of the Bible, we want to send you this Bible correspondence course. This course is non-denominational. It's based on the Bible. It's conducted by mail, and it's free. To receive this course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, Post Office Box 314, Somerdale, Alabama, 36580. Or call toll-free 1-877-711-5214. I want to read now from the 8th chapter of Acts, and I'm going to read beginning with verse 18 down through verse 24. And when Simon saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hands the Holy Spirit was given, he offered them money, saying, Give me this power also that anyone on whom I lay hands may receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter said to him, Your money perish with you, because you thought that the gift of God could be purchased with money. You have neither part nor portion in this matter, for your heart is not right in the sight of God. Repent therefore of this your wickedness and pray God, if perhaps the thought of your heart may be forgiven you. For I see that you are poisoned by bitterness and bound by iniquity. And then Simon answered and said, Pray to the Lord for me, that none of the things which you have spoken may come upon me. Well, one of the very profitable ways of studying the Bible is to study characters in the Bible. For example, suppose I wanted to know something about faith. Well, I'd study the life of Abraham, the father of the faithful, very faithful man to God. If I wanted to study about courage, I could study the life of the young man Daniel when he was in captivity. If I wanted to study about patience, I could read the story of Job and learn about Job's patience. James says you've heard of the patience of Job. And if I wanted to learn about dedication, I would study the life of the great Apostle Paul. There's never been a more dedicated Christian than was the Apostle Paul. In Galatians 2.20 said, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ that liveth in me. He was totally dedicated to Christ. But if I wanted to read a story, read something about a man who was saved, and then once he was saved, 
he became in a, it went into a perishing condition, I would study the life of the man named Simon. Now, let me give you a little background behind what I have just read from Acts chapter 8. The disciples were scattered abroad by persecution, and you read this in the first part of chapter 8. One of those that was scattered by that persecution was an evangelist by the name of Philip. Verse 5 says that he went down to the city of Samaria and he preached Christ. Now, when he went down to Samaria, there was a certain man by the name of Simon that practiced a sorcery or magic, and he was deceiving the people. And the people were astonished at the things that he was able to do, and they claimed that he was the great power of God. Can't you imagine how that would appeal to a person's ego for people to say this man is the great power of God? And they listened to this man. But verse 12 says, But when they believed Philip, preaching the things concerning the name of Jesus Christ and the kingdom, of, of the kingdom and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Now notice in verse 13, Simon himself also believed. So he believed just like they believed. And when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and was amazed seeing the miracles and signs which were done. But after he saw the miracles and the signs that were done, then he inquired of the apostles who had come down from Jerusalem to give him that power that he might be able to perform those miracles as well. He saw the real McCoy. He had just been deceiving the people with magic. But now when he saw the apostles, what the apostles could do, he knew that was the real deal. And so he tried to buy it with money. And Peter told him that, that, uh, that his money would perish with him. He said, you don't have part nor a lot in this matter because your heart is not right in the sight of God. And then he told him to repent of this thy wickedness and pray God if perhaps the thought of thine heart may be forgiven thee. For I perceive you're in the gall of bitterness and you're in the bond of iniquity. And so the man was told to repent and to pray that God would forgive him. You know, there are several pictures that we see of Simon in this reading. First of all, there's Simon the sinner. He was a great deceiver, according to verse number 8, and he was lauded as a great power of God. Our world today is filled with deceivers, all kinds of deceptive people. Jesus warned about deceptive people in Matthew chapter 7 and verse 15. Beware of false prophets that come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they're ravening wolves. And so they may appear to be innocent and good and on your side, but in reality they're going to devour you. In 1 John chapter 4 and verse 1, the Bible says to try the spirits whether they are of God. That means you test the spirits. Well, someone says, how do you test a teacher? How do you test a preacher? You put them to the Bible test. Is what they're teaching found in the Word of God. It's not enough just to say, well, the preacher said so. We need to find out, did God say so? So Simon was a sinner. He was a deceiver. But then Simon became a Christian. Simon was saved. Someone says, how do you know he was saved? Well, he did the very same thing that the people of Samaria did. Notice verse 12, when they believed Philip, as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptized. 
So they believed and they were baptized. Jesus said, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. So the conclusion about the Samaritans was this, they were saved. Well, how do we know they were saved? Because they believed and they were baptized. And Jesus said, if you believe and are baptized, you'll be saved. Now, what about Simon? Simon himself also believed. So he believed just like the Samaritans believed. And he was baptized just like the Samaritans were baptized. And since they were, he did what they did, and they did because Jesus said it. In Mark 16, 16, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. I have no right to question whether or not the man was a saved man. Uh, it is argued that he was never saved. Some say that Simon was never saved. And that he got into this perishing condition, but he was never saved. Well, if he was never saved, then he was already in a perishing condition. But then let's think about it. He did what the Samaritans did. He did what Jesus said in Mark 16, 16. He did the very thing that Paul wrote about in the Galatian letter. In Galatians 3, verses 26 and 27. For as, for as many of you are children of God who have believed in Jesus Christ. And in verse 27, he says that know ye not that so many of you who were baptized in Christ did put on Christ. In verse 26, he talks about having faith in Christ. In verse 27, he talks about being baptized in Christ. That's what Simon did. He believed and he was baptized. And so he was indeed a saved man. He did the very same thing the people of Corinth did in Acts 18 verse 8. Many of the Corinthians hearing believed and were baptized. So why would we want to question whether he was saved or not? He was saved just like all men are saved. He was saved by the grace of God. Simon believed. Simon was baptized. And all men are saved by God's grace. The grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared unto all men. Titus chapter 2 verse 11. Grace is God's unmerited favor. And it is favor that God bestows upon us we did not earn, that we did not work for. That there isn't anything that I could ever do, not enough good works that I could ever do to merit the salvation that God gives us through the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why Paul wrote in Ephesians 2 and verse 8, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So we're saved by grace. Simon was saved by grace. The Samaritans were saved by grace. The Corinthians were saved by the grace of God. And once a person is saved by the grace of God, they have all of the spiritual blessings that are afforded to those who are in Christ. Listen to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. All spiritual blessings are in Jesus Christ. Now, there are blessings and favors that God bestows upon all people, regardless of what they are. Uh, the person may be an agnostic. They may be an atheist. They may just be a skeptic. They, they may just be a good moral person. Well, they're blessings that God bestows upon all people. But there are certain blessings that God bestows upon those that are just, that are in Christ, and those are called spiritual blessings. It's not like God giving us the rain and the air to breathe and the sunshine and the like. Those are blessings that all people receive. 
But there are certain blessings that are centered on people that are in Jesus Christ. In Romans 8 and 1, the Bible there reads, There is therefore no condemnation to them which are in Christ. In 2 Corinthians 5 and 17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. I endure all things for the elect's sake, that they may obtain the salvation which is in Christ. Where's salvation found, Paul? He says it's in Christ. There isn't salvation out of Christ. Salvation is in Jesus Christ. 1 John chapter 5 and verse 11 says that, that He has given unto us eternal life, and this life is in His Son. We can have the prospect of eternal life only in the Lord Jesus Christ. So Simon believed, Simon was baptized, and Simon was saved. He was saved. Just like other people had been saved by doing the very same thing. And thus Simon had access to those spiritual blessings. But Simon yielded to an old weakness. You see, before he became a Christian... He had been deceiving the people with his magic, with his sorcery. But when the apostles came down from Jerusalem and they began to lay hands on people and miracles and signs were done, he saw the real deal. And there was that urge within him to want to be able to do that. As a matter of fact, he said, give me this power that... that on anyone on whom I lay hands may receive the Holy Spirit. He wanted to lay his hands on people so that those people upon whom he laid hands would be able to perform these various wonders and signs and miracles and the like. And so he yielded to that weakness. But, but it put him into a perishing condition. Peter said, your money perish with you because you thought that the gift of God could be purchased with money. You see, the man's thinking was all twisted. He thought he could take money that he had and he could buy the gift of God with it. I think there are lots of people today who think that if they have money, that they'll go to heaven. That some way that God is going to let them into heaven just because they have money. Not so. So this put him in a perishing condition. He had believed, he had been baptized, he had been saved, and now he's in a perishing condition. You see, there is the possibility that once a person is saved, they can fall and even fall from the grace of God. Now, I'm aware that in the religious world today, there are many people who say that once you're saved, you're always saved. Once in grace, always in grace. As a matter of fact, one man even said there isn't anything that a person could do once they're saved to ever cause them to be lost. Not even murder, not even rape, not even drunkenness, not even adultery. That you could still be saved even though you committed those sins. Because once you're saved by the grace of God, you're always saved by the grace of God. First of all, that's not even logical. That is not even logical. Here's a man who was saved, but he yielded to an old temptation and it put him into a perishing condition. The Bible warns about falling in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 12. Wherefore let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. Why warn about the danger of something you're not able to do? 
Why warn us about falling if there's not the possibility of our falling? Well, someone says, well, what does it mean to fall? How far can you fall? Well, let's go to the book of Galatians chapter 5 and verse 4. And I've heard men try to explain it away. All I'd like to do is just read it to you. Whosoever you are justified by the law, you're fallen from grace. Here are people trying to go back once they became Christians and they wanted to go back and embrace also the Old Testament law. And you can't do that. You read Romans chapter 7 verses 1 through 4. You'll learn more about that. But Paul said, if you do that, try to be justified by the law, you're falling from grace. Now, either you can fall from grace or Paul wasn't telling the truth. The truth of the matter is you can fall from God's grace. And Simon did. He slipped. But then he was told in verse 22, repent. Well, repent of what? All your past sins? All of those sins that you've committed since you became an accountable being before God? No, that's not what he was told. Because you see, the man believed he was baptized and all of his past sins were washed away. Listen to it. Repent therefore of this your wickedness. Well, what wickedness? The, the wickedness of trying to buy the gift of God with money. And pray God if perhaps the thought of your heart may be forgiven you. Peter said to him, I want you to pray because you've been, your, your thinking has been twisted. And your thinking has put you in a precarious position. You, you need to pray that God will forgive the thought of your heart. Well, what was the thought of his heart that he needed to ask for forgiveness? It was thinking he could buy the gift of God with money. Here's a man who believed, he was baptized, he was saved. According to Jesus, he was, because Jesus said, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Simon believed, he was baptized, back in verse 13. But now he's yielded to a weakness, and he's told to pray and ask God to forgive him of what he had been thinking. Thinking that he could buy the gift of God with money. He said, repent therefore of this your wickedness and pray God, if perhaps the thought of your heart may for be forgiven you. Now notice verse 23. For I see that you are poisoned by bitterness and bound by iniquity. And so he's told that he needed to repent of this sin and he needed to ask God to forgive him. It was to the apostle Peter that the Lord gave the keys of the kingdom, according to Matthew 16, verse 18 and 19. Jesus there said, I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And Peter used those keys as it were on the day of Pentecost, when he opened up the, the uh, gospel message to the Jewish world. In the 10th chapter of Acts, he used the keys of the kingdom when he opened up the gospel to the Gentile world. And the, he delivered a message of pardon to the Jews and the Gentiles alike. He used the keys of the kingdom. That is, he taught the word of God in teaching men and women what they must do in order to be pardoned of their sins. And that's God's first law of pardon. But here in the eighth chapter of Acts, Peter is using the keys of the kingdom to teach God's second law of pardon. Once a child, once one becomes a child of God and they fall and they drift, 
What must they do to be right with God again? Well, it's not to be rebaptized. Once a person is baptized for the remission of their sins, they need never be baptized again. They understand what they were doing and they were sincere about it. But, but they're told to repent and to pray. And that's God's second law of pardon to the erring Christian. And that's the very thing that Simon was told to do. Repent and to pray. And once he requested prayer, he said, Pray to the Lord for me, that none of the things which you have spoken may come upon me. He said, I want you to pray for me. Because I don't want to be in the bond of iniquity. I don't want to be perishing. I want to be a saved man again. And in spite of the danger of falling, I want us to understand there is that danger that a Christian can fall. But in spite of that danger, we can be secure in Jesus Christ. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 22 says, that let us draw near with a, with a true heart in full assurance of faith. We can be fully assured of where we stand with the Lord. First John chapter 2 and verse 3 says, we, Hereby we, the, we know that we know Him if we keep His commandments. We can know, we know if we keep His commandments. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 1, Paul said, For we know that if there's the earthly house of our tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. And so it doesn't sound to me like that Paul had some doubt in his mind about his salvation and his future. Paul said this is what we know. We know you can have assurance. But having that assurance is conditional. It is conditional upon our living a faithful Christian life. A person cannot to become a Christian and then continue to live the former life they lived. Maybe they used bad language. Maybe they were bad to drink. Maybe a man wasn't good to his wife. Maybe he would not tell the truth. All kinds of things that people can do that are not right. You can't continue to do those things and still be in the good graces of God. There's absolutely no way. Simon believed he was baptized, but he wanted to go back and he wanted to try to buy the gift of God with money and it put him in a lost state. Christians can fall, but in spite of that, in spite of that, we can remain true to our God. I want to call your attention to a passage in 1 John chapter 1, verse 7. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanseth us from all sin. Now here is the key to staying saved, walking in the light. That verse is teaching that as long as I am walking in the light, and incidentally, 1 John 1 verse 5 says God is light. I meant walk in fellowship with God. Jesus is the light of the world, John 8 and 12. And so... I'm in fellowship with God. I'm in fellowship with the Son. I'm in fellowship with the Holy Spirit. I walk in fellowship with the Godhead. And as long as I'm walking in the light of God's Word, I have the constant, continual cleansing of my sins. That's what that verse is teaching. Well, suppose I stop walking in the light. So suppose that I just deliberately decide I'm going to quit 
being a good Christian. I'm not going to try to live the Christian life any longer. I get out of the light. I've had people to ask me about things like this. A lady asked me one day, Brother Lambert, do you think I'm a backslider? She was a member of the Church of Christ. I said, do, do you go to church? No. Do you ever eat the Lord's Supper? No. Do, do you, do you uh, contribute to the Lord's cause with your money? No. And I said, well, if you're not a backslider, you've quit the Lord, you've quit the church, what would you have to do to become one? I asked a man that one day, who wasn't going to church, hadn't been to church in years. He had been a member of the church in years gone by from the days of his youth, but now he was drifted away. I said, just what do you think you'd have to do to become a backslider? He said, I guess just be as mean as a devil. Well, I don't know about that. I encouraged him to come back to the Lord. And I don't know whether he ever did or not, but I'm telling you Simon did. And he was in a very dangerous, dangerous position because once he became a Christian, he was drifted away from the Lord. But if we walk in that light, the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ cleanses us. Now let me give you the answer to falling. The answer to falling from God's grace is standing. I read to you from Galatians 5 and verse 4 where Paul said that we can fall from grace. Now let me read verse 1 of that chapter. And, and, and verse 1 says, Stand fast therefore in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made you free and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. The answer to falling is standing fast. In 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 12, this is the true grace of God wherein you stand. We can stand in God's grace. Yes, indeed we can. Is it possible to fall? Yes. But it is, it is just as possible for a person to stand faithfully in the grace of God and the Lord will not impute their sins or keep a record of their sins according to Romans chapter 4 and verse number 8. Are you a Christian? Have you done what the Samaritans did, what the Corinthians did, what Simon did to become a Christian? And I'd urge you to do that today. If you have and you've drifted away, would you do what Simon did? Would you ask your brethren to pray with you and for you that God would forgive you? I want to thank you for watching today. And until we meet again, may the Lord bless you and keep you is my prayer. I feel like my professors care not only about my progress in their classes, but also me as a person. Having teachers that will pray for me is incredible. Providing a Christ-centered education is the heart of everything we do at Fulton University. From the classroom to the sports fields, we emphasize integrity of character and a godly attitude in all phases of life. Visit our website today to see what Faulkner has for you. Getting to Know Your Bible has been presented by Churches of Christ. If you have a question about the church, or if you would like the location of a Church of Christ near you, or to receive the free Bible course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, Post Office Box 314, Somerdale, Alabama, 
3-6-5-8-0. Or call 1-877-711-5214. Join us next time for Getting to Know Your Bibles. <laughs>